This is Marty Shupak. Welcome to Green Rewind, our podcast. I'm in Valley Cottage, New York, and we have Ralph Schrager from Boston and Ray Clifford from Marysville, Ohio. This week, Ralph had sent me a video about uh, Jamal Adams. It was kind of a skull session that the NFL.com puts out where a lot of you in the audience are probably familiar with. I'm not. But if you look at this 12-minute video, you will see that Jamal Adams and I've come 180 degrees as a guy you have to keep. Just his football IQ and everything else involved. The guy's unbelievable. And today it just came out that he wants to get traded. But I'm going to put that video on the website. The NFL is going to take it off, but I'm going to also have a link there. So I urge you all, click on the link if it's not up, and please view it. It'll change your feelings about Jamal Adams. Ray, what was your feelings about that 12-minute video? Oh, the video was outstanding. It, uh, it just shows you what his uh, football knowledge is, how, how in tune with the game is. And, and clearly, he doesn't just – he studies football. He does it for hours and hours. You don't pick that stuff up, you know, right away. The, the, the little uh, keys he has on each video letting you know what he saw before he made a play – uh, it's just uh, – it, it was very impressive. And, it, and it's uh, – I, I liked him all along, but I liked him even more once I saw that video. Right, Ray. I was on the bubble before I saw that, but I, I, I kind of uh, went over the top saying we can't let this guy leave. What was your feeling before you saw it and after? Did you want them to sign him? Oh, yeah. I, I said that's one of the – to me, that's one of the uh, – things that will determine how I think uh, Joe Douglas uh, grades out as a GM, how he handles the uh, Jamal Adams negotiations. And right now I think this is uh, this is not a, uh, a positive point for Joe uh, Douglas. Now, right. granted, I don't think the Jets are going to get rid of him without some unbelievable offer. I think uh, they'll use what is their leverage, which is he's under contract for another year, plus they have the fifth-year option, and they can always uh, franchise him. I don't see it going that far, clearly. But they don't have to move right away and and, uh, and get everything settled. But I'm hoping that he can reverse this and get him signed. I don't see any deal they could make that could make the Jets' defense any better than it is with him on it. Right. And, and Ralph, you're the one that – discovered the uh, the video, and uh, what's your feelings on this whole situation with Jamal Adams? Well, as far as the video goes, you know, I always feel like the three aspects that make a player great are his physical talent, his uh, attitude, and his IQ. And, you know, physical talent and attitude, they pretty much, they're, they're set. But IQ, this is where you, you improve when you're a pro. And Obviously, you know, Jamal Adams checks all the boxes. He's a teammate, a guy on the field, and a guy studying film. So, yeah, we want to sign him. There's no question about it. It's a weird time, Marty, because of the pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen with revenue in the NFL. They might screw up the cap because they're going to get less revenue, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, I think that Douglas is just using his leverage now, and I think that the only thing that Jamal Adams has – 
to fall back on is social media. And he's going to get people like us and other websites talking about it. I think Douglas is aware if he doesn't sign him that he's, his honeymoon is over with the Jet fans. Yeah, I, I mentioned this before that I'm concerned that he may be the type of the guy, type of guy that's never really satisfied. And anyone that gets a buck more, he's going to want to renegotiate. Now, as far as that draft class, and I know you can't compare apples and oranges, but Christian McCaffrey signed a four-year deal, uh, $64 million. It was a $21 million bonus, 21.5, $38 million guaranteed. I'm guessing that he might be looking for something similar. He's come out and said that um, he knows that uh, Pat Mahomes, they're trying to negotiate with him. You can't compare a safety with a quarterback. And um, also... Not with, not with that quarterback. <laughs> no, no. And also, I understand, and Ray, you could probably verify this, that Miles Garrett right now is in negotiations to try to really... Uh, have a new long-term contract. So in essence, though, these guys are signed, slotted in this rookie contract, but nobody wants to wait. If they feel like, you know, they're the real deal, they want to sign that long-term contract as soon as possible. Ray, what do you hear about the Miles Garrett situation? No, I, I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't heard anything, any deals imminent with Miles Garrett. I think they're, <clears throat> they're very happy with him despite what happened at the end of last year. So yeah, they're always, going to try and lock them up longer term themselves at a better deal now than it will be a year from now as the salaries keep going up. But I think that's even apples to oranges with that uh, position. I think the only area you got to compare Jamal Adams to is safeties. And, you know, you, you sent out a list of the safeties uh, and the highest paid one is about 14 and a half million. And, Eddie uh, Jackson, right. Yeah. And I can't see anybody on that list that I, I feel as strongly about as I do Jamal Adams. So I, I think the Jets, if they're, you know, if they're being logical, they're going to have to bite the bullet. And he's got to be the highest paid safety, which will last probably six months till the next guy gets signed. But uh, well, one, one thing about that list, Marty, is all those guys except for Minka Fitzpatrick are, are older than uh, Jamal Adams. Correct. And what I, ironically, what I will say is, though, in a way, I think it's an advantageous for a team when you got a player like Adams, who clearly is a star, and he clearly has a motor. He's not going to dog it when he gets his money. No, nope. um, I think it's better to sign him now than in two years, when at the end of his contract he's thirty years old. Here he's like he'll be twenty-eight, maybe twenty-nine, and 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 you know you can cut him loose if you feel like he's giving you all he can. So, I do think they're going to sign him. Uh, yeah. Two things I want to mention. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick, he's the one player that I would say is as close to Jamal Adams as all the safeties, just because of his age is close to Jamal Adams, and he's incredibly talented. And if you saw what they got for him in a trade, it really was not a lot. Oh, it's pathetic. It was pathetic. <laughs> yeah, besides the first-round pick. Yeah. And they're not going to get – really uh, much more for Jamal Adams. The second thing is, with this pandemic, the coronavirus happening, I don't know if these owners want to commit to these long-term contracts right now. Today, uh, which is uh, Thursday, there's been a spike, I know, in Florida and uh, other parts of the country. 
So I'm not sure that that is influencing Joe Douglas and the Jets hierarchy um, to give him an offer. So, Ray, do you think that it has a lot to do with it, the pandemic, that's holding back an offer? I think that's the, the reasoning they'll use, but I don't know that I buy it. Um, I think the Jets just want to wait it out, uh, maybe see what they have to do with some of the other players uh, and try and uh, hold off as long as they can. But I'm with Ralph. I'd rather see him sign him now for not just because of his age, but because salaries will keep going up. They're going to for the top players. So if you wait another year and he's going to want, you know, right now it might be around 15 million. You wait another year, it could be 16. It could be 16.5. So, you know, you, better to lock him up now and you can always structure the deal to cut ties, you know, at a further down the road point and save money if you want to. But I don't think you're going to get a, an offer as far as a trade that would ever make it worthwhile to, to trade him. You and won't. I think you're costing yourself more money if you hold off by sign, uh, in signing him. There's, there's one little caveat, uh, Ray and Ralph, is that I had heard uh, from multiple people that because of this virus and what's going on, there's a chance where for the first time the salary cap actually might go down rather than go up because of the income that they're going to be earning. So I think uh, it's a smart move by his agent. He might be reading into that to try to get him locked up. I just think, as I said, that in two years, if Mika Fitzpatrick signs a deal, which is 20% more than Jamal Adams, he's going to be crying about it. He might, you know, he might be a Revis, but maybe he'll, maybe he's more of a team player. I don't know. I'll tell you the one thing I don't want to happen is what happened with Revis is that they waited and waited and signed him at the end of training camp. And of course they rushed him in and he pulls a hamstring and the whole season was a waste because he re-injured it. I don't want to see another one of those because that would just be a huge mistake. Just like what happened with Blair Thomas, right, Ralph? They didn't sign him to the very end of training camp, and look what happened. And don't forget Vern Golston missed one OTA, and that ruined his whole career. <laughs> that, that's true. All right, uh, let's move on uh, to the next topic. Ralph, you, you had brought up a couple of, of uh, good ideas, and um, you have a few names that you want to throw out, and we're going to try to figure out if they're on the Jets roster like September 1st. We did this last week. You have a few more names. So why don't you throw it out at uh, Ray and I'll, I'll have Ray start out. Yeah, I think, you know, since we were talking defense last week, offense, we'll, we'll, we'll go with offensive players. Guys who you think, will they or will they not make the 53-man roster? We'll start with Vincent Smith, the wide receiver. What do you think, Ray? Uh, I say no. I, I think he's expendable. We've got a lot of uh, receivers that uh, I think easily uh, would perform as well, if not better than him, in my opinion. I say no, too. As I wrote about and mentioned, that guy is the slowest speedster I ever saw <laughs> in my life. He's in the same category with me as a Trenton Cannon. I mean, and they have enough receivers right now. He, he didn't really show me a tremendous amount. I mean, towards the end of the year, he made some plays but I never saw that acceleration where, you know, he broke tackles or, or went ahead in the field. 
So I don't think he stays with, with, the, with the team this year. Well, they have five receivers ahead of him, clearly. After that, it's a mishmash of guys. So, so they're going to take six, you think? Right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, next is Trevon uh, Wesco. That's an interesting one. I'm going to start. I'm going to say they're going to keep him. He had a couple of good plays towards the end of the year. And if you look at the way he plays, he has some diversification where they put him at fullback, which is kind of a dying position. So the Jets don't have to really have a player just at fullback. They could use him both as tight end and fullback. Though the roster is loaded, I know with a lot of tight ends, I got to tell you, one thing that we went over, Ryan Griffin, who got hurt, he hurt himself, but he has the same thing in a way that uh, Bryce Hall, is that the guy where they drafted? Yeah. yeah. That, where I heard it was ligaments. And whenever you're dealing with ligaments, it's different than, you know, uh, like a clean break or something in the knee. So I think they're going to keep Wesco. Uh, Ray, did you answer that one yet? No, yeah, yeah I think though, I think he'll stay um, because he offers some flexibility and versatility and depth. So um, he wasn't great last year. I mean, he didn't get a lot of reps, but I think he's the kind of guy that uh, they'll keep around. Okay, next is Marty's favorite player on the Jets, without question. <laughs> and you just mentioned him, Trenton Cannon. Uh, let me let me start. Uh, this is what I feel about him. Do you, you guys remember when they got rid of uh, McCagnan and uh, Gase was like the general manager for like 72 hours? Yeah. What, what was the only transaction he did that he couldn't wait to do? Darren do Lee. No, he traded Devin Lee like within – Darren Lee. Within, oh, Darren Lee within <laughs> – I made that mistake before – within like 24 hours. I'm telling you, if I was general manager, I would get rid of that guy so fast. He is so unathletic for a speedster. He shows me nothing. And I, I've mentioned this numerous times. I've been very guilty myself trying to get sleepers in Division Two and Division Three. It's just not worth it. He went to Virginia State. I would cut him yesterday. Uh, uh, Ray. Yeah, I, I don't see him sticking around. I, I've, I've been really disappointed. I thought he was going to be a – one of our kick returners, he, he couldn't handle punts. Yeah, really, he's scary. <laughs> he just couldn't do anything. So, no, I don't see him sticking. Well, I hope he goes to – remember uh, uh, there was a baseball player named Lonnie Smith. They used to call him Skates. Because yep. it looked like he was slipping all over the place. That's what Trenton Cannon is. He just doesn't seem like to be – he can, like, uh, stay on his feet. Okay, yeah. next, uh, Jared Hilbers. I think he sticks. This is the uh, undrafted free agent from, from Washington. Yeah, Washington, offensive lineman. I think he sticks. He went in for that um, top prospect up there who went to either second or third round. I think Adams, and yeah. he took them over from the left to the right, and he did fairly well. Um, I think he has some upside. I'm not sure if he makes the 53-man roster. I think he might end up being on the practice squad, but I think he sticks. And if I remember right, uh, Ralph and Ray, when they signed the undrafted free agents, I, I think he either got the second or third most amount of money. Most Correct, of money. yeah. So I think he sticks. Ray? I think at best he'll be on the practice squad. Otherwise, I'd say no. But uh, I'd like to see, you know, like to see him stick for depth. But I just feel like if a lineman gets 
doesn't even get drafted, there's something they don't like about him. And so I'm going to say no unless he makes a practice spot. Okay. Last one is Daniel Brown, the tight end. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I think he sticks. Do you? I, I think he sticks. The only reason he might not, he made a couple of mistakes at the end of the year. I remember in a game when Sam Darnold got into an argument, probably the only time with Adam Gase, and the announcer said he thought that Brand, uh, David Brown ran the wrong route. But besides that, he, he looks pretty athletic to me. And a lot of this depends on um, Herndon, who's – constantly being hurt so I think he'll start on the, the the season on the team but we'll have to see what happens after that yeah I I think uh I think Trayvon Wesco stays and he goes but uh obviously if Herndon is not 100% I could see him sticking around a while but I I wasn't impressed with him that much that I think they would keep him yeah I'm with you on that one Ray um yeah all right let's uh, move on uh we're going to talk – last week we spoke about defense, and um, we're going to pick two guys on offense who we think will step up this year uh, pretty big time for the Jets. Ralph, why don't you start, and uh, we can overlap with each other, and we'll give right. some good reasons why. Yeah, um, so when I think of stepping up, I, I kind of look at guys who are entering their second season, and one of them we were just talking about is Trayvon Wesco. Well, I actually think has more talent than people realize. Uh, he's a pretty good athlete in addition to being an extremely good blocker. And I think because Daniel Brown will get cut, I think eventually he will establish himself as the second tight end behind Herndon over Griffin. Uh, my second guy is uh, Choma uh, Adoja. And I, I think the guy has talent. He's the one issue that everyone said is he's not a, a hard worker. You know, I watched him a lot because I watched film of Darnold. And when Darnold was in his, his last year, Adoga played right tackle for him the whole year. So I, I watched basically every play he made. He was very solid. In the Rose Bowl, when they played Ray, a very um, overmatched by Ohio State, he was excellent. Actually, four or five times Nick uh, Boza lined up one-on-one -on -one with him, and, and he held his own with him. I think the guy has potential if he works at it. So those are the two guys I think uh, are going to improve this year, surprisingly. How about you, Ray? Um, well, first, I agree with you on Adoga. I think he showed improvement as the year went on. And uh, and if you can stick with Nick Bosa, because he was definitely the better of the two Bosa brothers, and they were both excellent. Um, so if he's stuck with him, he definitely can do it in the NFL. But uh, the guys I was looking at was uh, – well, uh, Chris Herndon might be going into his third year, but I, you know, he played what one game last year, so or had one catch last year, so I don't even count that between the suspension and the injury. So he's really going into his second full year. Um, I look for him to, if he's healthy, make a, you know, not just take his starting job back, but maybe uh, actually take a step up and improve and, and uh, become a big part of the offense. I love uh, Griffin. But uh, I think Herndon's more of a difference maker when, when he's healthy. At least he looked like it that first year. Last year, you can't really – hard to judge. And then the other one isn't a, a new guy. The other one's – I'm taking a flyer and hoping that we get a, a, a surprising season out of Josh Doxson. Um, he was a high draft pick. 
now these uh, these uh, big 12 receivers, you know, a lot of people discount them. They're kind of like they did with Mims that they run those offenses and they're, they're uh, wide open and those guys get big numbers and, and they don't always pan out. I thought he was okay in Washington. He didn't justify the high draft pick, but he's got the size. Last year was another guy with injuries. So I'm hoping maybe just to prove himself, he, he has that comeback year and really surprises people and takes a big step. Well, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't pick any uh, kind of uh, surprises, but I'm going to give you my reasons why I picked them. Uh, I saw that the odds were 100 to 1 for Sam Darnold to get the MVP in the league. And I don't bet, but I would love to put down like $100 on that. I think Sam Darnold is going to be a difference maker this year. And the second guy is related to Sam Darnold, and you'll see why. But let me talk about Sam for a minute. The Jets, as we know, were last in total yards last year. In passing yards, they were 29th. Most of the reasons, because our offensive line was horrid. I heard a stat that um, <clears throat> the offensive line, when they average the average amount of time for protection – with Sam Darnold, he's 7-1 and one in the league. But their offensive line was so bad, he's got to hurry everything. I think because of the improvement of the offensive line and the receivers they're bringing in, I think there's a chance if hopefully the NFL plays their 16 games that he's going to have a super season. Now, what worries me, Ralph and Ray, because I uh, paid close attention last year, I counted anywhere from three to five times that he missed – Robbie Anderson Long, who's ahead of the field. And the second thing was twice on third down plays, he had a chance to run for a first down, and he threw the ball. He ended up getting it both times. But I don't know if that's a result of uh, a weak offensive line, if he was hurrying his thoughts or what. I think Sam's going to have a great year. Um, I believe he's younger than Joe Burrow, who's the number one draft pick. He's got two years' experience, and I'm expecting a super year from him. The second player I picked was a free agent they signed. It was uh, Connor McGovern. They signed him from Denver, and he went from uh, playing guard to starting center, and he was only one of three players uh, last year, three offensive linemen, to play 600-plus snaps, and he didn't get a single penalty. And I think that's phenomenal. And when you analyze the offensive line, pro football focus, uh, they said the Jets had the third best improvement behind the Browns and the Dolphins. So, uh, again, I, I, you know, I'm always looking like, you know, we're going to have a better year than the year before. But I really think the offense is going to improve. And I just want to say another thing, guys, just um, going back to Jamal Adams, because I listened to a local sportscaster that is so against paying him because the Jets' record, he said, was 16-32 and 32 in games he starts. But this guy has got to take the consideration when the offense is hardly on the field at all and the defense is always on the field, that's going to happen. And I think you're going to see a change of that this year with Sam Darnold, and you're going to see the defense. And that's why last week I picked them as a top-five defense. And a lot of times the NFL, I think the offense could help make a good defense by sustaining long drives. 
So my two players are Sam Darnold and Connor McGovern. Ralph, what's your reaction to my picks? Well, you know, I, I had another category which said what players uh, – what one player on the roster that's new on the roster is going to have the biggest impact this year. And I, I might as well say my pick was Connor McGovern. You know, we haven't had a center. We, the Jets haven't had a center since, since Mangle that it really shows. And I think he'll solidify the offensive line. If the offensive line is really improved, he's going to probably be the biggest reason along with Beckton. Uh, so I, I'm with you on that. And with Darnold, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's all this argument out there. Some Jet fans think he's overrated because he hasn't done that much. Others think he's going to be the next uh, great quarterback. I'm, I'm more in your camp, Marty. I think with what he's had to work with, and for a quarterback, so much of it is who your player teammates are and who your coaching staff is, your organization. And it's been bad for Darnold. I think he's, he's done really well considering what little he has around him. And uh, I just think he's a centered guy, mature guy, way beyond his years. And I, I think he's ready to take – this is his year to take the big step up. I agree with you. Ray, three plays that stick out of my mind, Sam Darnold. It was the one play against Buffalo where he scrambled around. He took the big – like almost a full circle. And he that was hit two Rob. years. It was rookie year. That yeah, was, rookie yeah. year. Three, yeah. I didn't mention the year. I'm just saying three plays. That's right. one play. Um, another play was when he scrambled to his right and he kind of stuttered step and he hit Herndon for a first down. Remember on the sideline? That play. And then last year when he scrambled around and he threaded to the needle to Crowder and it looked like in real time that he was out of bounds in the end zone, but when it slowed it down, it was a touchdown. I mean, those three plays, and there's a few others, but I see that and I say, I think this guy is a superstar in the waiting. I really do. And, I, you know, it's not like we, it's a Chad Pennington or, or, or a Sanchez. I, I think this guy is going to be great if, if the big if is this coaching staff and head coach handles them right. Ralph, I'm concerned about this coach. Well, Marty, uh, not, uh, nothing to, um, you see, the thing about Gase that, that worries me is I feel like since he took, took over this team, he's like starstruck with, with Darnold, which is kind of weird because Darnold hasn't done that much, but he's always gushing about his arm and this and that. And I remember last year at the end of the training camp, there was one time when he lit into Darnold and the uh, reporters afterwards said, how'd you feel about that? And Darnold said, it's about time. You know, right, <laughs> a right. coach, you know, the, the genius of Bill Parcells wasn't his X's and O's on offense. It was the fact that he put the fear of God into quarterbacks, that if they, they made a bad throw, a bad decision, they were going to hear it from him, his sarcasm. So he got the best years out of Bledsoe and Tess Verde, two gunslingers. And I think that that's Darnold's one issue is he is a gunslinger, uh, uh, his mentality, and he, he needs to be controlled a little, his choices. I don't know if Gase is the guy to do it. Yeah. And uh, also, I just want to say we're going to move on. And Ralph, you had a question. I want to jump to the question you has that we're going to pick one player not on last year's roster who will have the biggest uh, positive impact in right. 2020. I'm going to start. Um, Maybe I'm full of hot air, but something <laughs> about this Braden man, the punter, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I just 
am expecting a lot from him, and I've spoken about him, the way he's become a student of punting. He wasn't one of these macho-type guys that after his junior year, he wanted to beat his uh, yards per punt for the season. He worked on his, like, coffin corners and, and hang time. I think he's going to have a huge impact on the Jets this year. And, uh, Ray, who do you think is going to have the most positive impact that wasn't on the team last year? Well, I don't know if it's going to be positive, but I know the guy that I, <laughs> I know that is going to either make the biggest good or bad impact is going to be Becton. I mean, he has uh, – I believe he's being handed the reins to the left tackle job, you know, unless he's absolutely terrible. But he will make or break our offense because if he can't protect Sam, uh, it's going to be a long year. Um, and that's asking a lot because I think he's I think he's a project, but I think if he can play solid, our offense is going to be uh, something to be reckoned with. If he struggles, I think we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at a rough year. Um, I I hope I'm wrong about him. I said I have question marks, but I hope I'm wrong. Ralph, who's your one player not on the roster? Well, last? like I mentioned before, it's Connor McGovern. Okay. Uh, because I just feel like, you know, he's got to solidify the offensive line, which is the biggest question mark. Yep. The most important aspect of the team coming into this year. So, Connor McGovern gets my vote. Yeah, guys, let's just uh, sit back and just talking about a few things. I'm very concerned about the football season even happening because of this coronavirus. Uh, just so you know, the University of Texas, it came out now that they have like, I think, 13 players came down with it. It started out with two, and then they went to test the others, and it turns out there's 13, and there's another like nine that are uh, being quarantined. I just don't know how the NFL is going to approach this. I don't know, uh, Ray, if you have any ideas. I mean, unless, I mean, are they going to have two 53-man rosters? I mean, if a guy gets it, they quarantine the team, Ray. And if they they play like the Patriots, they quarantine the Jets and the Patriots. I'm not sure how it's going to work. They they have to have a, a bunch of scenarios going into the season. Uh, I think, yeah. Oh, you, you want to go, Ray? Yeah. Good, Ray. Yeah, they, they definitely have to have some, uh, some uh, guidelines set up. And I think one of the things they should be discussing, if they haven't, is expanding the rosters for just that reason. They've got to allow teams to carry enough guys to, you know, fill in, you know, if they do get hit with, you know, any, with a rash of extra, you know, COVID, you know, patients. But uh, other than that, you know, I say let's play, you know, what, what, a, you know, at what point are we just going to say, I, I think, and if I'm not mistaken, most of those guys on Texas, and most of the colleges have been asymptomatic. So they don't even know they've, they've got it before right. they test them. I, I don't know. All I know is I see pictures of young kids at bars and at the beaches. I see people protesting, holding yeah. hands and all this. And uh, I see today there was a spike in Florida. Yeah. So, Ralph, is my nervousness, is it am I overreacting to this or um, – is it we're just going to be business as usual right after Labor Day? No, I don't think you're overreacting at all, Marty, which doesn't necessarily mean that it should be that way. I mean, I think one of the statistics, and I'm not one of these people who thinks that this whole thing's a, a fake or anything, but 
But I think, you know, one of the reasons that there are higher statistics now is more people are getting tested. Correct. But, but I do think that it is going to affect the season. I, I haven't felt that way for months now, and I haven't changed my mind at all. I don't think it's going to be a full season. I think you had a great idea. We should have one team with infected players, one team without it, and our infected players played the Patriots' infected players. What you know, and the fans. You know, you get infected fans going. <laughs> but yeah. No, I, 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 and a college football, I think, is 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 not going to have a good a year either, and that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Ray, for what you said, I would say they would probably wouldn't expand the fifty-three man roster. I could see them going. On the practice squad, I don't know what it is now, five or six, going for like 12 or 15 players or even more because the owners are not going to want to pay and uh, these players, you know, if they're on the roster. But the other thing is, um, are they going to have fans this year? And I'll ask you this, Ray. If, if you're a fan and you're in Ohio, let's say the Jets came out to Cincinnati, would you go to a game in October? And if you went to a game, would you go into the stadium bathroom? Seriously. Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into a, a stall. Let's put it that way. I'm going to, I'm going to go where I'm standing so I can, you know, refrain from, from touching anything. But um, I think more of a, a case is going to be, are you comfortable sitting in the stands? And, uh, and I'd say, you know, personally, I, I'm, I'm willing to take that chance. I, I'm, I'm ready to go and, and do it. I've seen so many things now. I don't know what to believe. I'm not saying I'm, I'm with Ralph. I don't think it's fake, but I can't say that I don't think it, it isn't uh, being exaggerated a bit for whatever reason, because, you know, we took a two week break from talking about the virus while protests and riots went on as if, you know, as if the virus just said, okay, we're going to pause for a couple of weeks while we get this protest out of the way. And now, now, now we'll start it back up with the talk about it. Well, if, if you weren't concerned about people then, then, then why are we, you know, going to go overboard about it for, you know, sporting events if we can keep people separated? And that, that to me is the hardest part is how are you going to do it? If you have people in there, how are you going to have, how are you going to tell ticket holders who's going to go and who's not? And who's going to sit with? There's a million logistical issues with this. And I, I, I they don't have the answers to it no. right now. They don't, they don't. All right, we're going to uh, close this out. Ralph and Ray, we are going to uh, have another podcast next week. For Green Rewind, this is Marty Shupak. Until next time.